Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. My name is Tom, you may know me as the creator of Like Stories of Old, and I'm joined by fellow video essayist Thomas Flight to talk about Richard Shankman's The Man from Earth. Thomas, you had never seen this movie before, right? That's right, yes. What was your initial impression of it? This is an interesting little film. It's kind of a bottle episode, theatrical, one location style movie about this Mm -hmm. professor who's leaving for unknown reasons. And so he kind of, there's this like impromptu goodbye party for him. There's a bunch of other faculty from the school, presumably there, other professors. And they're kind of like, understandably wondering why he's leaving. And it's not a spoiler because it's the premise of the movie. Mm -hmm. He starts to tell this story that he is actually this 14,000 year old person, you know, that he thinks he's like Cro-Magnon man or something. And this Mm -hmm. conversation and interrogation of that concept and idea follows. And it's a very interesting film. It's for people who haven't seen it, we'll probably talk for a little while without spoilers. There's not very many major spoilers here, so we can push them off. Yeah, there's some twists towards the end, but yeah. it's uh, not anything that's going to ruin the experience significantly, I think. Yeah, it's low budget. There's a few places where there's some like corny music or uh, lines or or acting maybe by mm-hmm. today's standards, or you can feel the like constraints of the budget. But... It held my attention the entire time for being one location. It does a pretty good job of just like pulling on different threads and following interesting lines of conversation and thought. And yeah, I found it to be, you know, thought provoking and interesting and worth worth watching. I'm I'm looking forward especially to kind of where this might lead in terms of discussion. So mm-hmm. this was your was this your second time watching it? Uh, yeah, I think I first watched it about 10 years ago, maybe. Not long after it released, I think. It's a movie from 2007. And I remember back then when I was first getting into film, so to say, this was a movie that would pop up like on a lot of these lists with like hidden gems or deep movies that you've never heard about and great movies set in one location. Like this was a movie. It felt like a very, like a kind of underdog movie, like a cult movie maybe and I think it definitely has like quite a significant cult following I still see like every now and then it pops up on reddit or somewhere or it's recommended on some list with uh, underappreciated movies and and yeah I think it definitely deserves discussion I think it is still even now watching it again it's still as you said it, it it's not a well-made movie like there's no real distinctive like directorial voice or like a distinctive aesthetic it's not particularly well made or at least it's not poorly made but it's not there's nothing about it that really jumps out immediately in terms of like visuals or uh, the other aspects of presentation it just feels like a kind of uh, low budget tv movie which i think it was at the time but yeah as you said it's it's definitely one that grabs your attention pretty quickly and then manages to hold it pretty much all the way to the end there's some moments where i feel like it the pacing wanders off a little bit but it's always it's never for like too long before it kind of pulls you back in again like there's a lot more way bigger budget movies recently that i've been a lot more bored with (laughs) than this one yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) so i think it's definitely an 
interesting case study. I think everyone who's into movies should at least watch this one just to see the sheer power of a fascinating story and just how easily you can grab someone's attention, even if the budget is bare bones and the actors are not the greatest. They're okay, but the script also doesn't allow for much character work, really. Although I do think the main character, the guy who claims to be the 14,000-year-old man, he does sell it convincingly, in my opinion. I, I think he presents his whole character with a sense of grace and quietness and subtlety that really helps to sell the story as a whole the other ones the in that sense i think they have they are less important in terms of like making or breaking the movie but they're adequate but yeah it's it's i think it's a fascinating story in the sense that as you said it's just dialogue basically it's just a conversation and what probably fascinates me most about it it's that the movie is this is like all concept it's not, it's not really a story almost. It's really just like there's this scientific or science fiction concept. Like what if someone who was a caveman lived until today, basically? Yeah. That's, I think, that the question that's at the center of this story. And initially it's presented as such. Like the main guy, John Oldman, he yeah. calls himself <laughs> with some humor. He initially presents his story as... He doesn't just come out and say, hey guys, actually I'm 14,000 years old. He kind of presents it as like exploring this book that I'm reading about this man who's potentially lived since the caveman age. And he asks his fellow colleagues, like who are all experts on uh, various subjects like anthropology or biology or uh, psychology. I'm not sure what exactly all of them did, but basically they are some people who have some knowledge about, who have their own insights in that subject. And together they start exploring what that would be like. And then, of course, it it kind of uh, intensifies as they come to understand that he's not really exploring a story, but that he's actually quite serious about it. You, you don't see it a lot. And it seems to go against all the rules of storytelling, that you just have the concept and then kind of leave out character arcs, kind of leave mm-hmm. out like a real three-act structure even. But I actually really like it. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Like, I definitely like films that lean more heavily on the idea of just like having characters tell a story. There's a short film by David Lowry that's like 14 minutes long, and it's just like a bedtime story. I think it's called The Pioneer. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube or Vimeo. You can watch it. And it's just like a dad, presumably a father, telling a bedtime story to his son. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's the whole short film. That kind of thing is often like more enticing than we think it's going to be. Like there's something about storytelling, like an actual person just sitting there telling a story that can be quite engaging if they're good at it. And this film definitely leans on that. And like I said, I found it to be engaging. And I don't think like if your brain is occupied and you're like invested in the concept, like if you Mm -hmm. get invested in the concept and it feels like the concept is being explored thoroughly like you don't necessarily need character development and character arc i think maybe there could be a little bit more of it here in terms of like Mm -hmm. the other characters so we don't get much development from john but that kind of makes sense i mean he's been around for like fourteen thousand years his psyche (laughs) is probably pretty developed and like set in its ways yeah i think it would probably work against the movie if he would suddenly have a significant character arc in this yeah what to him would be this infinitely small moment in his lifetime yeah 
there's kind of like they kind of patch in something else for instead of a character arc which we'll get to later but there's kind of twists that like mm-hmm. reveal more about who he is and so there's like a development in terms of your understanding of like him as a character but it's not a genuine like he doesn't change within the course of the movie just mm-hmm. your understanding of his character changes but i do think like there's definitely shifts for the other characters in terms of like how they're grappling with the situation or realizing it and mm-hmm. i think some of those either could have been f- more fully developed or maybe just sold a little better you know yeah. i don't know what the answer would have been but there was times where like suddenly it seemed like some characters moved from like being skeptical to like almost being very invested and kind of believing him and i didn't feel like i necessarily felt all of the steps along the way to get from mm-hmm. you know one point A to, to point B. That I mean that varies. It's not like that for every character. But overall, I mean, I was invested enough in the concept that I didn't find that to be like overly uh, detrimental or or distracting. Yeah. One of the interesting ideas at play here that they latch onto pretty quickly is like it's all concept, but there's several ideas being explored. There's like just the theoretical mm-hmm. idea of if somebody lived for fourteen thousand years, what would that be like yeah how does that happen yeah how does that happen i think those details if you've watched any other media that kind of deals with this kind of idea a lot of those concepts are here and this movie might have been earlier than them but if you've seen like the eternals the idea of like oh you have to move on periodically Mm -hmm. or like a lot of those ideas are 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 here and developed but then there's also like other questions that come into play and one that was very interesting to me is just sort of the, I don't know if you would, ontological maybe is the wrong way to put it, but the sub-question of would this even be verifiable? Like if somebody was telling you the story uh, yeah, yeah, without like, oh, let's ship him off to a lab and like test him for a thousand years, would you even from talking to somebody be able to like test or verify mm-hmm. this kind of claim? And I think that's yeah. a, a very interesting like, route of examination i think that's that's a question of epistemology epistemology question of knowledge what can we know and then followed by methodology with how do we go about doing so and and yeah that's definitely one of the interesting questions that the movie brings up is i I particularly like the uh, one of the characters asks him at some point like if you've been around for so long don't you have any artifacts from way back to which he answers like that's no, of course not. Like, do you still have your, like, some scissors that you owned 10 years ago or something like that? They really go in detail with these questions that kind of fill in plot holes, basically, or try to make sense of the story. But it's in the same time, those questions are also integrated into, they are part of the story. So it's yeah, it's not just like, oh, it's trying to batch the holes in its own concept, but it's, it's really that, that's, and again, that's what I love about it. It really takes this concept and then makes the story about exploring such a concept yeah yeah it reminded me a little bit of like uh, ex machina for example the way that movie also presents us with pretty much one simple quest like okay i've got this robot now let's see if we can determine if it's conscious or not and that's also what uh, from the same guy who did that alex garland he made, later made devs the tv show but that's one where i was kind of disappointed because it felt like we had that 
interesting concept, but it was also like filled up with all this other stuff that to me didn't necessarily contribute as much to the story. Like I think that was a eight part miniseries. But yeah, I think that to me that show I there's parts of it that I love, but to me that could have yeah. been a fascinating like two hour movie without all the with all the fat turned away. Like for me, I just I, I think more movies should embrace the idea that humans just like to have their brains titillated sometimes <laughs> and they don't always need the typical ingredients of a movie as long as you can just engage them intellectually in some some fascinating exercise that also enlightens a lot about humanity and about the way we see ourselves and that's uh, i guess brings us back to what you asked about the way they are basically interrogating him and the way that reveals our own limitations about how we can verify things how we can connect to history in a way because that's also like a big question like that's the question of him his individual life but also of like his the initial people that he came from the kind of the civilizations that he was a part of and how we connect to those civilizations through whatever means we have now like this yeah for example another thing they bring up is his consciousness basically in his early years before what we would say as language and then he says like oh no we had language we just didn't write it down and we we also wondered about the stars and our place in the universe it's not like we weren't these ape-like beings that only later transformed into the actual humans now they were still humans all the way back then and that to me was actually one of the most revelatory parts i think about because I, i i still think we tend to look at our like caveman ancestors as these kind of brutish languageless beings whereas i think now there's not so much evidence but there's more theories about them being more articulate more just more sentient in a way that we are too even though they didn't necessarily have the benefits of accumulated knowledge over the ages and through writing and that sort of stuff yeah modernity definitely like conceptualizes intelligence in a way that has such a strong emphasis on like basically knowledge that is can be written down or accumulated and memorized that like practical knowledge philosophical knowledge like participatory knowledge like all these different forms of intelligence that would have been taking a much stronger role in the past when you were you know interacting with nature hunting you know early agriculture like all of these things we tend to have a separation from that as like oh those people could be very just as intelligent as us just as smart but you know it looks different than how we tend to classify those things now i think that's still true today where you have people who mm-hmm. aren't considered as intelligent by certain standards because we tend to like reduce knowledge into this kind of specific category so it's definitely yeah it's fascinating to think about that i also like how they contextualize his like he has this subjective individual perspective of history Mm -hmm. and so like they talk about you know what was it like in this moment or you know you didn't know that you were seeing the whether you were seeing the ocean or not like how couldn't you have known that and it's like well if you didn't have a map if you didn't have the the knowledge that we have now and you just saw waves and a horizon you know water that stretched out to the horizon you have no 
way of knowing what that is or what you know what you're seeing at the time mm-hmm. and i think that's such an interesting point to illustrate too because we tend to to do that or at least i do when i think about history it's almost impossible to get out of that mindset of like the perspective we have now of history looking back on it like understanding that all of the people who are living through those various times in history were experiencing it subjectively like in that moment without the perspective on the events that we mm-hmm. have now and i think there's there's a certain amount of misunderstanding that often comes with that where we're like we think those people are dumber because mm-hmm. who would have believed that the you know the earth was flat you know mm-hmm. because it's so obvious and yeah, it's like yeah but just if just sail to the edge <laughs> right if you're <laughs> if you've only ever stood on a continent and you have no google maps you have no you mm-hmm. know nobody sailed around the world yet like none of that knowledge is in place it's like the your immediate experience of the world presents a certain thing subjectively and you would have no reason mm-hmm. to like go beyond that necessarily until you learn otherwise mm-hmm. yeah i think there's another misconception there too about aside from the scientific knowledge that's progressed over the years is that we often tend to look back at ancient religions or even the cavemen who had their own versions of different myths and that even though today we would see those as not necessarily as literal but we see them as like allegorical or symbolical and we believe that back then they took it more literally whereas i think they've also found and i think i'm pretty sure that john's also mentions that in a movie somewhere that it's not that it wasn't that different back then as it is now like they were they had some awareness that they were making stories and metaphors and that they were not necessarily giving shape to the world in a literal objective sense but um that's also kind of i think a modern projection from us on the past and i also like the way john's lifespan is basically the entirety of civilization that his early years can be kind of defined as childhood and the way if you look at the way we look at our childhood it's not just our own memories and actual experiences that we recollect because uh, i'm not sure about you but like my childhood like especially my er- early years it's just like glimpses like flashes of, or yeah. like images and fractured moments and that i've only now like i contextualize them with my adult awareness and my now like grown up context to those certain experiences but right i also i to some extent i've also in doing that i've also lost the memory i think of what it was like back then before having had that additional context yeah yeah like to give you a small dramatic example but i remember at when 9/11 happened in the united states i think i was 10 years old then we had a like a small event at the elementary school that i went to where we had to stand in a circle and we had to basically do like a moment of silence and think about the tragedy that just happened and i remember what it was like like i remember standing there but i don't remember the exact how that affected my awareness like did, was right. i aware of like what exactly had happened what the weight was of what had happened or was i just like is that just now me filling in the gaps knowing as an adult what happened yeah. and the impact it had on the years that followed it but just a small example but that's yeah. i think f- what this movie also tries to illustrate about the way we both look back at our own lives is and the way it relates to how we look back in back at history in general yeah i've 
I've definitely had experiences of like a lot of my earliest memories are also things that we have, like I have photographs of events and it's like, like my Mm. first birthday party, I have a, I think it was my first, maybe it was like second or third, but there's an early birthday party that I have like a vague memory of and there's photos of it. My memory of it is from my own perspective, not the perspective of the photo, but it's like, to Mm -hmm. what extent has the photo is that memory still there because the photo is there to reinforce it or to what extent like is the photo taken over the memory for me and like I, I can still like patch it in and ma- imagine it from you know the perspective of me sitting in like a high chair or something but it's really mm-hmm. not a memory it's just you know me projecting that into onto like what I can see from the photo and and similarly John has kind of those types of things that he points back to where he's like he has this knowledge that he's since learned from like textbooks or history books or whatever and he's like his memory of those things are so foggy but he also can't now separate his memory of it from you know, what he's learned about it and, and what he's read in the, the textbooks. And that presents a problem with trying to even like quiz him or verify his knowledge of the past because it's like they could ask him all these questions and it's like, but anything he says that is true or that aligns with our current contemporary understanding of the past, he could have read. And anything he, you know, says that, you know, doesn't, there's no way of like verifying that historically, mm-hmm. at, at least that I could think of. I can't, nobody in this movie thinks of any like questions or methodology for verifying mm-hmm. or trying to verify. And there's none that I know of, but they may be out there. I think that's one of the fun things about this is like, as you're watching it, you start engaging with the ideas and you're like, what would I ask him? Or like, how would I try to mm, yeah. figure out if this is, is, if this is real or not, which is a fun game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And also just imagining what it would be like to live that long and yes. kind of think about, about what you would have done throughout history. Yeah. <laughs> to make another note on what you said about the old photographs, I'm not sure if you do that too, but I have, for me, I, at least I think a, a sign of when I've done that, when I've kind of replaced memories with the artifacts that I have from that those memories, is that I have certain memories that are not necessarily in first person. Like you can imagine if you have a literal memory, that's something yeah. you explicitly saw and then saved to your long-term memory. But some of my memories, they're more like, they're not exactly like third person, but they definitely aren't first person either. It's kind of hazy about what, more like an omnipresent camera type memory, yeah. which kind of tells you about that that means the whole image is basically fabricated to some extent which is weird to think about but yeah (laughs) yeah that's something they they don't necessarily get super into i mean it's there Mm -hmm. as a subtext within the story that he's telling but the mechanics of how memory would work over this amount of time would be fascinating to think about because you would definitely have these bits and pieces but we don't really know what the human mind's capacity to remember is beyond like, you know, this, the normal human lifespan. Hmm. And there's definitely very much a possibility that if somehow somebody was living, you know, for this amount of time, it's like everything past like 200 years ago would just kind of fall into this like void. And like, Mm -hmm. well, they kind of touch on that a little bit in that, like, he's like, he doesn't 
really he's like i think i'm a cro magnum man he doesn't really remember all the exact details of like where he mm -hmm. came from or and part of that is because the way he was subjectively experiencing those events at one point he he talks to one of the characters she's like how do you not know where you're from and he asked her about like where she grew up and whether it would look the same now if you went back and like all these things and he's like you know if there was no maps if not only there wasn't a name for the place at the time but over the course of over 10,000 years everything changed you know how would you even begin mm -hmm. to verify that so he is just kind of this like person existing in time without like a feeling of you know any sort of beginning mm -hmm. he's very disconnected from his own origins in that sense yeah which I do wonder, this is just occurring to me now, but I wonder, certainly there's people who feel that way in the world now and probably mm -hmm. were a lot more in the past people who felt that way. Because I think in the modern world, we all are very connected. Not all of us, but most of us have the privilege of being like very connected to where we came from. Even if you have lost touch with your parents or were separated from them or you don't have contact with them at some point like most people have access to a some type of birth record or like photos from their childhood or something like that but if you didn't have those things and those memories start to fade it's very possible mm -hmm. you know you can exist and be like I don't know how old I am I don't know where I'm from I don't remember my childhood really I'm just a person who in my memory kind of started emerging <laughs> into existence in yeah. this like space you know roughly in the 90s or something I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting that the movie doesn't really get into how it affects his sense of self but yeah. I guess after 14,000 years you'll find a new identity and right it's funny how he kind of has these little moments where he does these throwaway lines almost about like oh yeah i owned a couple of castles at some point or right. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of vaguely mentions being having had these really fascinating life events and then kind of casually moving on from them too but yeah it's hard to say uh, I, that's something that the movie doesn't really go into like what is really the essence of his character and what are the more the kind of trendy aspects or the ones that kind of changed along with history yeah yeah like would he have been pro-slavery for example right. or yeah. stuff like that like <laughs> where does i'm guessing not as uh, he, he also mentions pretty early on uh, having studied with the buddha and having gained some respect for human life some sense of morality i guess maybe also a longer lifetime maybe might give you a stronger sense of morality over time as you're become more detached from the specifics of a culture or any particular ideology yeah. Because you start to get that more, that overview effect. But I think that might have been deliberate that the movie sort of avoids those uh, such discussions a little bit. Yeah. There's a little bit of convenience in some of the plotting or the staging of uh, the life he's kind of lived. And the way he does, like coming back to the problem of uh, history that we talked about and how difficult it is to reach back in time in that way. And because of the subjective experience and the... Uh, the, the kind of the stuff that does survive is more like objective documents or government yeah. stuff and uh, less so the subjective experiences of like regular people which 
as a side note, it's also why I really like the uh, documentaries of Ken Burns, for example, because he does try to bring about that more ground up sense of history by like right. including letters and diaries and that sort of stuff. But anyway, so the movie does, on the one hand, try to complicate the question of history by bringing up his subjectivity. But at the same time, he also happens to have had encounters with all these very prominent historical figures. Like it's, that's a bit of like, I'll take it as like a, to add like the sense of movie drama, but right. uh, <laughs> it's pretty convenient that of all this, the kind of the line of history that we have, that he's somehow been pretty close to it and yeah. been pretty close to all the most important events that we now looking back are familiar with <laughs> yeah we can get more into that too and there's some some spoilers involved there before we move on into that i think going back to kind of the psychological impact or like his, him as a character and the way like the way he's been shaped by this kind of life that it was one area where i kind of wish they had gotten a little bit more into it there's some other media that kind of explores this topic that i like that that has gone there a little bit more there's the uh jim jarmusch movie i think i've even mentioned it on this podcast before when we were talking about the eternals only lovers left alive which is about vampires who have also lived been alive for thousands or ten thousand years or something and he kind of really in that movie like really explores sort of like the mental and psychological impact it's had on them and sort of just the like headspace that that they're in and mm -hmm. it's different i mean i think the the effect it seems to have on john we see a little bit through like just his the performance and his, what seems to be his personality and he's like a little bit jaded but mostly has like it seems has this kind of like stoic view like i've seen it all yeah. You know, there's nothing new under the sun, really. And he has this very measured, you know. Very calm, yeah. And there's a difference. The way he's had to live would have had an effect on that, too, because he every because he never ages and people notice that he's been a nomad for, like, his entire life moving on every, like, decade or so. And so he hasn't been able mm -hmm. to just, like, stay in one place, which also has an effect on you know, people's view of the world and how they experience things. So, yeah, because if you think about it, if he moves every 10 years or so, that's over the course of like 14,000 years. That's that's a lot of time. That's like yeah. <laughs> 1400 <laughs> times that you've completely uprooted your life and settled in somewhere else. And yeah, I wonder what the accumulated weight of that would be, but the movie seems to not really get into he still he still seems motivated to right try and engage to every time like he moves to become part of a new local community although he does mention that he's had periods where he was like more reclusive or then he would just kind of hide away for a couple of decades and then come back so it might be like he does suggest there's a sort of ebb and flow to his lifestyle and i guess that makes some sense i think it's easy to imagine that someone would get completely jaded and completely cut himself off from life but you can imagine like if you're living potentially for eternally like that's gonna get boring too yeah so at some point i i feel like there's gonna be this yo-yo effect where you kind of get tired of it all and then get tired of being tired of it all and then <laughs> <laughs> try different things and out. then uh, go on like that i want to i want to give a shout out to if people are interested in media that explores that idea specifically there's mm -hmm. a 
I don't know what to call it, an online piece of writing, I guess. It's kind of like a long short story. It's a short story, <laughs> but it's a multimedia story <laughs> that you read in the browser. It's by John Boys, I think is how you say his name, or Boise, B-O-I-S. Uh -huh. And it's called 17,776. And it's about a society where people have suddenly started to live forever. It's specifically about football in that society, which sounds really weird, but it's about mm -hmm. how they've come up with this extremely convoluted version of football that's evolved over tens of thousands of or like almost tens of thousands of years at this point and how they just like entertain themselves as like eternity stretches on with this like really bizarre uh, version of of football that looks nothing like modern football and it's for anyone who's interested in like films that explore like humans living forever or deep deep time kind of stuff it's it's definitely worth a read i hadn't heard of that one so it looks interesting yeah it's good uh, i highly highly recommend it it's very entertaining mm -hmm. too like because there's like i said it's multimedia so there's a lot of images and graphics and like stuff to go along with it yeah yeah i'm looking at the wikipedia page right now and it, it incorporates text animated gifs still images and videos hosted on youtube it opens with two satellites who are trying to communicate with each other. And mm -hmm. so the the first few, like the first chapter takes place on this calendar that you scroll through and the, the satellites can only like send and receive messages every like 217 days. And so you have to scroll down the calendar from like one message to the next, like for the back and forth. And it just gives you this like sense of like passing time. <laughs> it's kind of a masterpiece, I think. But yeah, maybe if we ever do a yeah. non non film episode, <laughs> cinema. <laughs> that's for our other podcast, uh, websites of meaning. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to the topic at hand: the man from Earth. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we've talked about kind of him as a character and how this would impact his life. We've talked a little bit about like the process of trying to verify whether it's real and how like at mm -hmm. least in this movie. They kind of bump up against this idea of like, you can't really verify it, at least not in this setting of just having a conversation. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, like, as you go along through the movie, you know, you don't really know. I mean, it's the movie's a little spoilery, I think, in the sense that the way it's framed, I felt like kind of made me think that he was telling the truth. Yeah, I think you definitely go in at least wanting it to be, or kind of assuming it is true there's just by virtue of the movie's premise being exactly this so there is a bit of a disconnect i think with the other characters who are more skeptical and you're just like especially there's this really intense christian lady that kind of debunks everything from the beginning and you're just like that's ridiculous <laughs> of course you'd believe him like right even though you it, it makes no sense for you to do so but <laughs> so that's definitely a bias as the audience that you have towards his story being true that kind of affects the way you experience the other characters in the movie but i think this is also where we can move into spoiler territory a bit because yeah. that's also what reveals the most about how his presence or existence basically affects and impacts the characters around him the first twist at least is that he the question kind of moves towards 
religion and if he was part of like any biblical events and he doesn't want to talk about it at first and then he's like okay i may have been part of some of it and they're starting to guess and then he kind of carefully states like okay what if some guy who studied east with the buddha went back to the mediterranean or the middle east or that area and tried to bring some of those teachings to a small group of apostles and then got prosecuted for it and thought he would they there's a bit where he suddenly says like he he got crucified but not with like the the spikes in his hands he was right. just binded to the cross but so anyways he 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 basically claims he was jesus and right. then uh, <laughs> but then he also he makes up these abilities it seems like oh i can like reduce my vital signs to the point where it seems like he is dead and then of course he wakes up in the cave and some people spot him walking out and then that's yeah, the rest, rest is history, history. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the big reveal yeah. the big claim he makes that he was jesus christ and that to me that i think i remember when i first saw it it i thought it was a bit farcical like uh yeah of course american movie you have to go there <laughs> but, but, but I, I do like the way it really tried to it, it's really the ultimate example of how a small tiny event in history can have significant consequences through myth making and especially like a, the the way that transforms over time even though the event itself may have been relatively ordinary but yeah, yeah of course there's the the christian lady who who takes great offense at right. his claim to to being jesus christ yeah yeah they <laughs> the christian is a little bit i think to some extent a lot of the characters are sort of caricatures like there's the mm -hmm. psychologist who kind of like ends up pulling a gun on him <laughs> that was another moment like of course, American movies right, pulls a yeah. gun out of nowhere. <laughs> there was a few moments where I kind of wished the characters that they had available were like a little bit more of like a steel man version of some of the views instead of like a straw man version where it was like mm -hmm. the arguments that some of the characters were leveling. I was like, there's probably better ways to deal with it than just being like offended and being yeah. like, it's it's blaspheme. It's blaspheme. It's like, are there people who would do that? Absolutely. But is that the most interesting like? route to explore this like essentially a thought experiment of this idea probably not and also especially because she was a supposedly a teacher of she wasn't just like the average christian lady from right. the church she was also someone who had some scholarly knowledge about yeah. religion which wouldn't mean that she wouldn't be like religious herself but at least i think she would have been more used to like interacting with people who are making claims that yeah she exactly are offensive to her sensibilities yeah mm -hmm. but i think like one of the things the movie wants you to kind of by the time it gets to this point where this revelation happens it feels like most of the people are pretty bought into his claim they're starting to sort of believe it and so by the time he's like well i am jesus or like i was the person responsible for the story of jesus at least they're like then that suddenly takes on this much more significant because they're out of the mode of just like oh this is a fun like kind of thought experiment we're all having and more into like mm -hmm. you know let's debate this actual this as an actual possible explanation for you know christianity which I think like mm -hmm. I I do think der derailed the movie a little bit because that section is interesting. It's like it is interesting in its exploration of, like you said, like 
myth formation and like all of these things. But I think it like steers, it kind of takes a turn away from like the core concept, which is his <laughs> life and living 14,000 years and like what that would be like and the idea surrounding that and temporarily like sidelines itself into like more of a discussion about like religious epistemology, which is like, it's also interesting, but I wish instead of taking a turn, they had just gone deeper into the concept yeah. itself. It does, it does feel a little bit like this is the whole movie is like this atheist perspective who could, that couldn't resist like taking that little right. jab towards <laughs> Christianity at the end. And, <laughs> but I do like the, I don't think it's worked in quite as well as some of the other aspects, but I, I did like the way if you really take the point of view from the other characters, there's this sense that from their perspective, they have known this teacher for like 10 years and suddenly what started out as this normal thought experiment is like turns into this way too extreme like like he suddenly like they are also upset because they are just losing their sense of his identity like what right the man they know is suddenly turning into this weird person that takes this joke way too far or not either way he's kind of a like attacking our worldview in increasingly serious ways. And so from that perspective, I've uh, on, on second viewing especially, I was more sympathetic towards the the drama that kind of emerges from the other characters, even though I, as you said, it's kind of, it, it's not worked in as like this straight line that suddenly grows in intensity towards the end, but it kind of flip-flops from being offended and then being interested in the idea again to being flabbergasted at the way they've lost their old friend and then right. offended again. And then their emotions are kind of all over the place, but there is some sort of through line that I can imagine being there that kind of makes sense within the, that, that gives the story like a little bit more besides the, 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 the basic concept and a bit more of emotional weight, but it wasn't quite there yet, especially the final twist at the end. He's not just Jesus Christ. He's also towards the very end in what feels like a twist to something that was never really set up. He turns out to be the father, I think, of yeah. one of the professors, the old psychiatrist. He suddenly has this whole childhood trauma live up. And when he, yeah, it, it's not, at least I don't remember it said, being set up earlier that he talked about his childhood, but then, uh, or the, the father that he lost. And then at the end, he kind of, John kind of reveals it accidentally that he used to be a professor named so-and-so. And that was the name of his father, who the psychiatrist's father. But yeah, that, that yeah. to me is where the movie kind of crossed <laughs> the, the lines shark. into, yeah, <laughs> kind of went yeah. into farcical territory because <laughs> it doesn't, it didn't really add anything to the, yeah the story itself it was literally like after the movie had pretty much ended but yeah there's a moment towards the end where he kind of he he then pretends because i think the movie the movie ends up making it pretty clear that like at least within the world of the movie he's telling the truth like it doesn't leave it with once you have that twist of like oh he's the father of this older guy it doesn't it doesn't leave a lot of ambiguity but there's a moment before that where he he's like, I, it was all just like a crazy prank, basically, that I just like took too far. Sorry, guys. Like, wasn't this a fun thought experiment? And they all kind of like believe that or disbelieve that to to various degrees or are like kind of relieved, but then like have their doubts. But there was a moment where I thought maybe the movie would leave it with more ambiguity and just like 
kind of cut mm-hmm. it off at that point. And I thought that would have been a very interesting like way to frame the movie where you have this character that's like very committed to this and you let that play out, but then you just end the movie and essentially you're in the position of like the characters at the party of just saying like, well, was he telling the truth? I don't know. We'll never know. You know, mm-hmm. here we go. But it, it decided not to take that route. Yeah, that's now that you now that you say that it's definitely true that it does add that definitiveness to his story in the way maybe they were trying to show that even subjective history can be interpreted as objectively real if your subjectivity happened to cross over with that of the other person or something. Right. This scene takes place outside and the other some of the other characters are already gone or still inside the house yeah. at that point. And I'm not sure exactly. So it's only revealed to that guy who wasn't necessarily like the biggest disbeliever. So I'm not sure what the point was of revealing that specifically to him. But yeah, I think that the movie would have been better off if it ended with him kind of retracting his revelation about it all being real and just saying like oh sorry guys it was a joke i took it too far and now you're left wondering there's a woman who's kind of seems to be i guess is in love with him there's a little bit of a a underdeveloped romance Mm -hmm. but she she seems to believe pretty early on they deal with it in different ways i think dan i forget what he was a professor what his professorship in was in because there was a biologist a psychologist like different i think there might have been a sort of not a paleontology but someone who studies like old artifacts and stuff yeah a historian or something um he was the character whose perspective i kind of identified with the most or at least like the way he handled the situation which was like mm-hmm. you know kind of like almost he he was like not antagonistic but also was like wanting to play along and towards the end like wanting to believe but then once the once he's like oh no it was just a joke he's like well you know that was that was kind of a fun like i i feel like Mm -hmm. how he interacted with the situation would be similar to how i would have he was also really upset like i think he was crying at some point oh yeah 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 (laughs) he does buy into it a little bit by the end i forgot about that Maybe I would. I don't know. <laughs> but I wanted to say I love how the Edith, the the super Christian lady, as mm-hmm. they're all leaving, there's this moment where she kind of like, you know, puts her hand on his cheek and then kind of like gives him a kiss on the cheek. And it's a little bit like she's like, you can see in her eyes, there's almost this like, just in case you are actually Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Even though he revealed that being Jesus essentially meant right, not yeah. that much. <laughs> I just, I thought that was an interesting, like, yeah. how he both, like, deconstructed her faith, but also she was still, like, and she didn't like that. She was still, like, mm, you know, just in case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she deconstructed him based on her faith. Right? Yeah. So, kind of projected more importance on him in that sense than Than he was claiming deserved yeah yeah Yeah, i think that that was also something that bothered me a little bit about the religious stuff that i think it was they tried like the the first part of the movie really tackles the kind of the logic of it like or at least at first the, the, the whole practicality like oh didn't you get ill or didn't you get like wounded and then he's like that's the kind of convenient thing that he doesn't scar also and then there's the more like 
the, the question of verification, like what can we know and can, how do we tell if you're telling the truth, basically. And there's, uh, there's also that uh, nice little bit where he has this artifact of a, like some, some caveman tool, but he says he got it at a thrift shop and he meant it at the end. And yeah. uh, the Dan character is like, okay, that's pretty clever because he, you know, he could have lied, but he didn't. So that's might've been an interesting sign that he was telling the truth. Right. But then when the religious stuff comes, it's also, I think that's when they're also trying to explore some sense of morality, like they're trying to make an attempt at some sort of universal moral truth about what his life uh, signifies or what kind of, like the wisdom that he has gained over the years, that there must have been something regarding uh, ethics as right. well. Yeah. And that to me fell a little flat because that was the obvious, I think especially in, in 2007, that was very much this kind of new agey interpretation of the New Testament, especially where the Old Testament was kind of discarded as like um, these silly, savage creation stories. Whereas the story of Jesus was kind of modernized into this kind of Buddhist slash Stoic slash basic kindness type philosophy. And that's also what his morals eventually come down to. It's a pretty simple message. And uh, of course, he laments that people can't live up to it. And But yeah, that, that to me felt a little bit simplified compared to some of the more thorough scholarly explorations that come beforehand. Yeah, I think the discussion around like then the verifiability of his like religious claims and like his mm -hmm. kind of argument with the Christian lady does kind of overshadow then like this broader conceptual exploration of like would living that long give you moral insight in a way that might be unique or distinct mm -hmm. from just like everyday humans. And it, it's kind of asserting that, like, it does because, you know, he accidentally ended up being, like, one of the most influential or maybe the hmm. probably the most influential religious teacher of all time. But it doesn't, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I agree that it doesn't, it doesn't quite sell that or explore that as authentically as some of the others. I think it would have, it would probably have been more interesting if they just straight up asked him, like... Did your like long lifetime on earth right. give you any specific moral insights without him necessarily being the literal Jesus Christ? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, it does at that point it does overshadow the other parts of the story. And I think the direction that the story could have gone if if it uh, had refrained from going biblical in that sense. Yeah. There's an interesting layer there with the religious stuff though, too, where he's he's like essentially making these claims. And then they're getting upset about them. But like, ultimately, like his claims still come down to a sort of, you have like this firsthand witness, but then there's still like an element of like, because they've already determined that his story is kind of like unverifiable, there's still this element of like, well, you know, if, you, if you're going to believe his story about being Jesus, it's essentially like, that you would essentially have to just have faith that he's telling the truth, which is kind of a funny uh, parallel. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely ironic that even if he claims to be Jesus and claims to have that not mean as much as people think, right. it will still require them to take that leap of faith in 
right to believe to believe that yeah i mean it fits it fits more comfortably within a within a materialistic you know scientific worldview to have somebody saying like you know oh but i mean without verifying the somebody can live for 10,000 years that's also a sort of like extreme metaphysical almost metaphysical claim until you could like scientifically verify it uh, or it seems super kind of supernatural even though it's not like treated that way in this film i think even then like i think if they had sent him to a lab where he was researched like i think even then people would take issue with the quote-unquote facts and right yeah be skeptical and especially like there may have been like some message there about or like somewhat intended about oh if jesus christ came back today he would still you would just be crucified again because people would see his sudden appearance or like his uh, second appearance as uh blasphemous and then you would probably also you would also have the people who are like you know i know you're claiming not to be god but you've lived for fourteen thousand years and somehow you know that's so i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna act like you are god because you're seemingly mm-hmm. the most like powerful human that you know there would be all kinds of conspiracies about why he's living so long and probably some people who would believe that he is there's a comment about that like about him as jesus coming back which is a kind of funny one yeah i wonder what the, his his story would be like if it came out now in the the current age of misinformation yes. and the internet and weird theories and amateur explorers on the internet and investigators <laughs> i almost never think this because there's too many remakes these days but this is a movie that definitely could be remade in an interesting way i think like you know if you hmm. updated the budget a little bit and got like a fresh cast of experienced actors in there and then like you could have some overlap but there's so much room to explore this concept that like i think you could do it again and still hit on like fresh and interesting even just by like mm. tweaking the character of John a little bit, like have him experience different like things throughout his life or have, because it's all theoretical, you could you could imagine that he's been impacted in a slightly different way by his life or just have him be a woman or something. There is a brief suggestion that there may have been others like him. Yes. He mentions at some point that he met someone who he suspected or they both suspected of each other that they were... Oh yes, who they were, but yeah. they weren't quite able or quite ready to explicitly say it to each other. And then he says, "Like, oh, I think I saw him again a hundred years later or so on a station somewhere." But uh, so it is. There, there is a a seed for franchising. Yeah, <laughs> I want the Man from Earth cinematic universe because <laughs> that's what filmmaking is today. <laughs> Any final notes on? The Man from Earth. I think we've covered most of the interesting aspects of the movie so far. Yeah, uh, I don't think so. I, I find this to be a fascinating concept, a fascinating thought experiment. And um, this movie does does an interesting job of like following that thread and exploring some corners of it. Even if it's not perfect, it, it kept me entertained and like it explored it in an interesting enough way that that I was pretty interested. So I think one of the cool things about a movie like this is like, in some sense, it's almost inevitably going to leave you unsatisfied because like most of what it does is just provoke a bunch of other questions about the nature of life. And like, Mm -hmm. but that's why it's fun to talk about and why we can easily spend an hour talking about this because Mm -hmm. 
you know, it just, it raises a lot of... I think that's actually what I like about it, that the way it raises questions without necessarily giving us... It does try to, as we talked about with the ethics stuff, it does try to give us some answers, but in I like the way it raises questions in a way that makes us reflect on those questions yeah. and at least think about the impact they have on who we are and how we look at the past and at ourselves and without necessarily reaching this needlessly sentimental or overzealous conclusion about this is life and this is how you should feel or something like that, you know? So yeah, I, I agree. It's a fascinating thought experiment. It's a movie that will definitely grab your attention and hold it towards the end, even though it's uh, pretty low budget and it might not look that way when you first put it on. But uh, but yeah, I think it's um, definitely a movie that you should check out at some point. Yeah, it's worth exploring even just from the perspective of like seeing what can be done with lower budgets and a more constrained style of storytelling. Yeah, the man from Earth. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the show, be sure to check us out on our creator-owned streaming service, Nebula, where you can experience our podcast ad-free, listen to all of our episodes a week early, and get access to monthly bonus episodes that aren't available anywhere else. On Nebula, we for example covered the latest Doctor Strange movie, Sam Mendes' 1917, and we discussed Stanley Kubrick's science fiction classic 2001 A Space Odyssey. Right now, the best way to get access to Nebula is by signing up for CuriosityStream, which comes with a free Nebula subscription. To learn more, visit curiositystream.com slash cinemaofmeaning, or just follow the link in the show notes. And we'll see you again next time.